Well, cool. We're going to be in the book of Colossians today as we look at Colossians 1, 9-14. And the title of the study is, How Can I Pray for You? We're going to pick it up in verse 9 where Paul the Apostle, he's been just basically celebrating the fact that there is a church in Colossae. And he's like, wow, super excited about that. But he's also, in one sense, warning them because there were some false teachers trying to invade the church and telling them that Jesus isn't enough. And yet he is. He is enough. And so today, Paul here is going to pray for the Colossian church. And we got to get to see exactly how he prayed. And to me, it's kind of cool because we can actually pray, literally, this prayer Maybe for your children. Sometimes we don't know exactly how to pray for them. You can pray this for your children. You can pray this for the church. You can pray this for your friends, the the family. Um, It's kind of cool to be able to pray Bible. And we're going to see how beautiful it is. Look what it says here in Colossians 1 in verse 9. Paul says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering, notice, with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so, you know, I've talked to people and sometimes they'll tell me, you know what, I don't really know what to pray Here's something that you can literally pray verbatim and I believe it will change the life of your children. It'll change the life of the church. God will hear your prayers and it's kind of cool to know exactly what to pray. You know, when I was looking at this, uh, there are four things that kind of stood out to me as far as the content of Paul's prayer here. Number one, we have, I think we have an outline for you, spiritual intelligence, And so I was thinking about how LeBron James, how he'll talk about basketball players who have a better basketball IQ, so to speak. And so we pray that for our children. We pray that for the church. We pray that for our parents. We pray that for the people. Lord, give them that spiritual intelligence. Give them a greater IQ. IQ. We're going to see exactly what that means. And then secondly, for spiritual obedience. And that's when he gets into the walk and he gets into the work and how well, we want that for our family, right? And so then, you know, how do you do this? The third part is a spiritual omnipotence. And so omnipotence basically means that we have access to all of God's power. Omnipotence is God's mighty power. The same power that spoke the stars into the universe, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. And so we pray that for our kids. We pray that for the congregation. We pray that for the people. Those are the things, the spiritual intelligence, obedience, omnipotence. And then the last verses right there in verses 12 through 14 
are the spiritual inheritance. And it's interesting, kind of the way that it works, you guys, is because, you know, you're praying for all these great things that, you know, uh, they would just hit the mark and, and be strong and walk and work and wisdom and knowing God's will and all those positive things, right? But at the end of the day, you guys know just as well as I do that we're not going to be perfect. You know, we're going we're gonna to stumble. We're, we're going we're gonna to fall. And that's why I like right there where he says, giving thanks to the Father who has basically given us this forgiveness in Christ. You know, I was thinking about how uh, the story of a, of, a, of a father talking to his little boy who had unfortunately pulled his brother's hair and kicked him in the shins. And so the, the dad told the little boy, I can't believe you let the devil, you know, make you pull your brother's hair and kick him in the shins. And the little boy said, you're right, dad. The devil did make me pull his hair, but kicking me in the shins, that was my idea. That was... The, the, <laughs> And I was thinking about me. I was thinking about how I fail sometimes. You know, how someone cuts me off in, 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 in while I'm driving. I'm like, man, learn how to drive and you want to mad dog them, you know, or you want to, you know, show them you shouldn't drive like that. That's dangerous. Or someone treats you wrong and you just want to put them in their place. You want to tell them, you know, give them a piece of your mind. Like, who the heck do you think you are? You know, that's me. That's us. We will fail. But, you know, we, we try not to. And so Paul here, you know, I'm praying the best. I'm praying for power. I'm praying for you to hit the target. But at the end of the day, as I'm praying for you, and I just think for me, of course, and my kids and my, you know, my family, the church, I, I know ultimately all of us here, we will need the blood. We will need that forgiveness that Paul mentions here in the end. And so let's tear this apart. Look at verse 9. He says, again, the spiritual intelligence, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, Paul's talking about the Colossian church, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know, I I have a hunch that Paul here didn't simply say, I'm praying for you, more than likely, he really prayed for them every single day since the day he heard they had been born as a church. I mean, I'm sure for those of you guys who are Christians, you have your kids. How often do you pray for them? Every single day you pray for them, huh? And so this is what Paul is saying about the church. I mean, he knew the power of prayer, and so should we. Paul, no doubt, had a powerful prayer life. I hope we do too. And it's not just Paul here. Notice it's Paul and and others because he says there in verse nine, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. It's kind of cool. You know, praying by yourself is fine, but man, get somebody to pray with you. Husbands and wives should be praying together. I'm teaching a class right now in the Bible college about, you know, prayer and, and I'm kind of bummed, I'm kind of broken hearted because there's a lot of wives who say their husbands don't pray with them. And so I would just beg you if you're here today and you know, you're a husband um, that you would have it in your heart 
to pray with your wife. Here's Paul. He's not the only one praying. They were praying for them. He says, we do not cease to pray for you and more than likely the spiritual leaders, right? And, and what we find is basically that every spiritual leader has a heavy responsibility to pray for the people faithfully. You know, Samuel prayed for the people. As a matter of fact, he told them, if I don't pray for you, that would be sin. He said in 1 Samuel 12, 23, moreover as for me, far be it from you that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. And so Paul here, he just kept praying for the Colossian church. I hope you just keep praying. Keep praying for your kids. Keep praying for your family. Keep praying for your neighbors. Keep praying for your church. Luke 18, Jesus said, you got always to pray and don't faint. Don't lose heart. Keep praying. Because we're going to see in life that, 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 that makes all the difference in the world. Notice what he prays for. Number one, he prays here, as far as the spiritual intelligence goes, he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Again, for this reason, verse 9, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And this is what we ask. We ask God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. You know, not, not, a, not a partial knowledge, not a, you know, something that happens periodically, but Paul is praying for them to be filled completely to the full capacity of God's will. Now, it's an interesting word in the Greek language, especially in the book of Colossians, to be filled means to be controlled. Like, for example, in Ephesians 5.18, it talks about being filled with uh, wine in which is a wasted life. He says, no, be filled with the Holy Spirit, under the control of the Holy Spirit. And basically what the Lord is saying right here is that I'm praying, Paul said, I'm praying that you would be under the control of the knowledge of God's will. You know, you might remember that Jesus taught us to pray this in the model prayer. You guys remember this? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Ellen Redpath said, thy kingdom come, my kingdom go. We have to be so careful that we're not fighting for our will. Paul here says, no, I'm praying that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. His will for our lives is better than ours. You know, Romans 12, 2, it says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I mean, imagine if everybody on planet Earth caught that, 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 that vision of, you know what, what a utopia it would be if we just discovered God's will and did it. You know, I know that when you read the scriptures, we need to pray that for our children. God, I pray that they would be filled. They would be controlled with the knowledge of your will for their life. I pray that for my children. I pray that for the church. We pray that for our parents. We pray that for the people, that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will. Now, how do people know God's will? I think that part of it is through the Bible. 
You know, uh, objectively, we know this is God's will. It's truth in black and white. You know, but there's also, there's like a coin. So on one side of the coin is the revealed will of God. On the other side of the coin is the concealed will of God. For example, you guys know, men know, right? We're supposed to work. I think women, you know, they work too, just in different places, right? So, but we'll just say, you know, that you're looking for a job. You're a man. You shouldn't be lazy. You should work. Get a job, right? So that's the revealed will of God. And the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So don't feed them if they don't want to work. <laughs> now, listen, if they can't work, that's a completely different situation. Do feed those who can't work, right? We have to be benevolent and compassionate to those types of people. But the ones who don't want to work, the Bible says, if you don't want to work, then you, you're not going to eat. So that's the revealed will uh, to work, but the concealed will is where? Hey, where do I work? What do I do? What's my career in life? And that's why it takes not just the revealed Bible, but a personal relationship with God. And so as I'm praying for my kids and I'm praying for the congregation and we're praying for our parents and we're praying for the people, we're praying for this spiritual intelligence. God, help them to be filled with the knowledge of your will, your will for their life. And so we pray. We pray that God's will. Number two, we pray for, for God's wisdom. Notice again what we read in our text. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in may be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so we're praying for the people. We're praying for God's will. We're praying for God's wisdom. Now, before I was a Christian, and even sometimes nowadays, I only like live like the second part of that word, the, the second syllable, which is dumb. You know? <laughs> I, I, I need the whole thing, not just the dumb part. I need the wisdom, right? And I know, you know, for me, just thinking about the things and the th- ways I've so made, made so many mistakes, I mean, Lord, please help me in this because I know how huge wisdom is. It goes beyond knowledge. It's actually the application of biblical knowledge. It's not just knowing the information. It's not just having the education. It's not like, well, Manny, he has the right interpretation on this passage. No, it is living the life. It is the application of God's word. You know, this is what we pray for our our kids. We need wisdom. You know, it's different than knowledge. Uh, For example, you might know that it's out of God's will to marry a non-believer. You know that in your brain, right? But wisdom says, then don't, don't, you know, flirt. Don't, don't, you know, pursue that relationship with an individual that you don't even know whether or not they're a Christian. So we need more than knowledge or even knowing God's will objectively. We need wisdom uh, for our life. We need understanding. That's the third thing he mentions here. And understanding is deeper. Understanding is kind of like why, you know, things work. Uh, for example, um, you know, if I were to tell you that, that God's will is for those of us who are married to be faithful to our spouse, that's God's will. And it says that in the Bible. You guys know that, right? That adultery is sin, right? Black and white truth. 
Adultery is sin. So that's the knowledge of his will. Wisdom is that I'm not going to flirt with that girl at, at work. I'm not going to look at those images that I'm not going to lust and feed my flesh. That's wisdom because then I'll, I'll fall into sexual sin. But, but understanding takes it even more. Not just where well, you're not supposed to you know, engage in sexual sin. Not, you're not supposed to you know, you know, look because you might fall. But this is why. Because it destroys those who are involved. And you're a husband and you've got a wife. And you go and, you, and you're with somebody else. Do you realize what that does to her? So you get into the understanding part of it. It, it just the trauma it creates in the family and the breakup of the family now destroying society. Now you're knowing why. Why? You know, you're in the dark. You need a light. Understanding is how that light works. And so for us, when we're praying for our children, when we're praying for the church, when we're praying for our parents, when we're praying for the people, we're praying for spiritual intelligence. And so, Lord, I pray for my kids that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You want to know why? Because I love them. And I want them to have an awesome life. And I believe in the power of prayer. And so here he says, number one, we got to pray this, you know, for the church, the, the spiritual intelligence. This is how he's praying for the Colossian church. But then secondly is a spiritual obedience. Notice in verse 10 that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, here Paul is praying for them that they would not only have the intelligence, but that they would have a life of obedience. He he talks about walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. And so our walk is our our kind of like our journey through life. You know, to walk worthy of the Lord is to live our lives as Christians should. And I love the way that he tags it with fully pleasing him. Not just partially, not just on Sundays, not just in front of, you know, other church people when they're watching. No, um, in, in completely committed to him, pleasing him in every thought, every word, every action, every decision. All that I do and all that I am, this has to be, this is what I pray this is what I pray for the people, you know, to, to fully please the Lord. You guys might remember what the father said to his son. Do you guys remember what the father said to Jesus when Jesus was baptized? When Jesus got baptized, he comes up out of the water, the spirit descends upon him, and the father said to his son, you are my beloved son. I love you, son. And he says, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, isn't that what we would want God to say when he looks at our life? This is what Paul is praying for them. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 29, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Paul said, this is my life. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. You know, one of the things that gets in the way of pleasing God is a desire to please others. 
Be careful with that, you guys. Some of you guys, and maybe you're like me, and I'm just going to kind of wear my heart on the sleeve uh, for a second here. I mean, I just want everybody to like me. I, I want everybody to think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread was invented or something. I'm just pride. It's pride. I want everybody to, to like me. And I think maybe part of it is because I do love people. I, I do. I mean, I have kind of like a soft spot in my heart. But one of the things that I've learned in life is that if I choose to please God, if I really just choose to please God, I'm also choosing to displease others. Not everybody is going to be pleased with me and the things that I have to do and you know, the busy life or whatever it might be that might, you know, people wonder about. I, I have to, for me, I have to just say, okay, Lord, um, what do you want me to do today? Every single day. We all have to have that heart. You know, for, for Paul, as he's praying for the Colossian church, he's praying for their spiritual intelligence to be filled with the knowledge of his will and the wisdom and understanding. And then he prays for obedience that they would walk worthy of the Lord, praying that they would fully please the Lord, not others, and not themselves. You know, we pray this. Paul here would frequently speak of their walk. In, for example, in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And same thing in 1 Thessalonians 2.11, you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You know, it's, it's beautiful. It is just beautiful to think that we can walk with God. To think that in one sense we can even walk like God. You know, one of the most intimate things I think a person can do in life, and I kind of encourage you guys to do this if you have the opportunity, is just to walk with people, to walk with your spouse, you know? And as you're walking together, it binds you together, it bonds you together, and you get to talk about different things, right? You're going through life together. We get to actually walk with God, and as we're walking with God, I remember as I got saved in 1989, I was just a youngster. I didn't know what life would entail. I had no idea what God would want to do in my life. As I'm walking with God, eventually the time came as we're walking, the Lord said to me, hey, Manny, why don't you try uh, maybe working? Why don't you try maybe serving me? Why don't you get involved in ministry? Or there's different things in life, the, the way that we can serve God and work with God. And it's just a beautiful transition. And that's exactly what Paul prays right here in verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. I believe this is what happens when we walk upright as Christians. We'll begin to work right as Christians. Can I ask you a question? Are you serving the Lord? Are you laboring for the Lord? And, you know, and it doesn't necessarily always have to be 
in the church or in the building. I know it's not always like that. I understand God has people, you know, doing things that are much differently. I was even thinking of Raymond and, and Raylene and they came in for service today and they have their little beautiful girl, Nora Ray, and just this, the, 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 the beautiful way they're serving the Lord by taking care of their beautiful daughter. You know, God will give you the divine details, but it, it, I, I do pray, though, that you've heard his marching orders, and as you're walking with the Lord, you know, then you, you're working for the Lord, and you're going to be fruitful. You know what that fruitful means? You want to know what that means? It means that you're impacting lives. As a result of you serving the Lord and giving your gifts to God, people are getting saved, pulled out of the fire. People are getting stronger because you have chosen to work for God. And then the beautiful thing is you're not just working for God. Did you know this? That you're working with God because it's the great commission. And Paul here, as he's praying for you know, the church, and as we're praying for our children, and as we're praying for our parents, we're praying for the people, we're praying for the kids, we're praying for the congregation. He's praying that they would have this spiritual obedience and they would walk worthy, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. I know you guys want to make a difference, and I don't know what that work will be, but I do pray that we would have... um, Ears to hear how the Lord would have us love others. I like what C.H. Spurgeon said. He said, fruitful in every good work. Here is room and range enough in every good work. Have you the ability to preach the gospel? Preach it. Does a little child need comforting? Comfort them. Can you stand up and vindicate a glorious truth before thousands? Then do it. Does a poor saint need a bit of dinner from your table? Send it to them. Let works of obedience, testimony, zeal, charity, piety, and philanthropy all be found in your life. Don't select only the big things as your special be, but glorify the Lord also in the little things. Are are you consumed with the will of God? You know, every year, the Christmas season, probably one of the best things of the year is that we get to watch that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, huh? Isn't that a great movie? And the guy's name, George Bailey. You guys remember George Bailey, right? He would have chosen a different life. If it were up to him, he had these high aspirations, these dreams, I'm going to get out of this place, and I, you know, and big dreams, and you know, he, he, never, he never made it. If it were up to him, if it was his will, his life would have been completely different. But God in his sovereign grace kept him there. And then God allowed him to get a glimpse of what it, this place would have been like had he not done God's will. And this is how it is for us. You know, you might want your will and... You know, only the Lord knows all the divine details as far as that goes. But for me, I mean, Lord, I mean, this is what I'm going to do. But Lord, open doors, close doors. Lord, in your sovereign grace, grace guide me. I'm not going to kick any doors down. I'm going to follow you because, Lord, I believe that your will for my life is better, not only for them, but also for me. 
And this is why he's praying for them. Psalm 20, verse 4 says, May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. And that's at the end of the day what I want. Lord, what was I made for? What was I made to do? Then Lord, help me to do that. So we to walk with God. We're to work for God which will lead again to the knowledge of God. Look at verse 10 again, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let me ask you a question. If you walk with someone, are you going to get to know them better? If you work with someone, are you going to get to know them better? Yeah, right? And this is how it is with God. Increasing in the knowledge of God, it it talks about how we will know him through personal experience. And so Paul here says, keep praying. As he prayed for the Colossians, he says, this is what I do. Spiritual intelligence, spiritual obedience. And and you may think, well, this is difficult to do, to, to serve God, defeat the devil. It is. It's impossible to do without him, and which is why he prays, thirdly, for spiritual omnipotence. Now, omnipotence is, comes from two, good, two Greek words, omni being all and potence being power. So it's all power. So we have access to the same power that made the universe, that spoke the stars into existence, that hung them all up there, that power that you know, raised Jesus from the dead. We can pray this for our children. We can pray this for the church. We can pray this for the kids, the congregation, the people, our parents. We can pray this for our friends. We can pray this for our family because they can't do this on their own strength. Right here, notice in verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Lord, I'm, I, and I just keep you know, going back to my kids, but of course you guys know those that you're heavy uh, you know, burdened for, the ones you're responsible to pray for. You know, it, to me, it's pretty cool, man, to be able to just pray Bible, pray Bible. Lord, I'm praying for their spiritual intelligence that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will, God, that they would have this wisdom, that they would have this understanding. God, I'm praying for them to walk worthy, Lord, to to be fruitful as they work. And Lord, I know they can't do this on their own strength. So Lord, please give them this power, this strength, this might. And then the first two Greek words speaks of God's inherent power And then the third Greek word, it speaks of God's manifested power. And you're going to see it. You're going to see it in their life. It's going to be a different life. You know, we can't do this on our human strength. We need divine strength. Zechariah 4, 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts and you're praying for your kids you're praying for the congregation you're praying for the people what for so they could i'm working on benching 315 that's why that's what i need the strength for right what do you need the strength for to preach the crusade before a hundred thousand people is that what you need the strength for well maybe yeah i won't say you know that you can do that on your own strength but believe it or not the, the little things that he mentions right here Strength for, for patience or endurance. Strength to be able to suffer long. 
and not quit and not retaliate. Strength to do that even with joy. You know, it's hard to practice patience. You know, we want it and we want it now. Lord, give it now. It's hard to suffer long. And it's interesting when you look at these Greek words right here, patience has more to do with circumstances, the trials that you're going through in life, while long-suffering has more to do with the people that sometimes make it difficult for you or challenging for you. Because when someone treats me wrong, like I said earlier, by nature, you guys might not, you know, you guys might think differently me, but I'm almost as bad as you are. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner too. (laughs) Probably worse. I want to put them in their place. I want to set them straight. I want to give them a piece of my mind. You shouldn't talk to me like that. There's that part of me that's fallen, wicked, wretched, warped, and I can't do the right thing unless I have the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit. But I know as I read the word that I can, and so can others as I pray for them. We need this strength. We need this omnipotent power to defy gravity and get victory. You know, the inner victories of the soul, which we're talking about right here, are, are just as great, as, if not greater, than the public victories recorded in human history. For example, let me ask you guys a question. What do you think was a, a greater victory? When David conquered cities or when David didn't retaliate when Shimei was cursing him? You know, most of us would look at it and we'll think, well, the big thing, the big thing was the greater victory. Imagine conquering a city. No, the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. It's a different life when you're going through, you know, what you're going through and you do it, you know, with endurance. I'm not going to quit in life. And you do it with long suffering. I won't retaliate in life. And you and you do it with joy. Because sometimes I'll be honest with you. Like I'll pat myself on the back and I'll be like, "Good job, Manny. You didn't retaliate." You know. But while I'm not retaliating, I'm grinding my teeth. <laughs> and the Lord says, "No, that's not how I want you to do it. I want you to show your teeth. I want you to smile." Because this is how I love you. You know, imagine if God gave us what we deserve. Thank God he gives us joy. Acts 20, verse 24, Paul the Apostle said, "Um, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy. See, this is how God wants us to live our lives. And so, you know, we're praying for spiritual intelligence. We're praying for spiritual obedience. We're praying for spiritual omnipotence, all power available to us from God. But then Paul closes in verse 12 with this inheritance. And to me, it makes a lot of sense because we need this grace. Notice again in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
You know, every, every day, and I know you guys do it too, right? Every day, you get up and you pray. You pray for your family. You pray for your kids. I pray for this church. I pray for our pastors. I pray for our overseers every single day. God, give them victory. God, give them power. God, show them your way. And you're just lifting them up to the Lord every single day. Defeat their enemies, Lord. Show them how to lift up the shield of faith. Grant them grace, Lord, and let them fulfill their purpose and lead them and guide them and bless them and protect them and heal them and all these types of things, right? You're praying for them to have victory, but, but, but we live in a fallen world. And we live in fallen bodies and we're fighting fallen angels and guess what's going to happen to us? We're going to fall. We, we sin, we stumble. You know, and so Paul here, as he's praying, and Lord, bless my kids, Lord, give them victory, Lord, in every way, but, but Lord, thank you. As I'm praying, thank you. Thank you that they're saved. Thank you that they're saved. That's kind of what he says right there, that the spiritual inheritance, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. As we pray all these things, we give thanks to the Father. The Bible says in Romans 8, chapter chapter 8, verse 17, that we are actually joint heirs with Christ. Think about that. So all that's his is ours, And the crazy thing about it is that we don't have to wait until we die. We have access to much of it now. And so this inheritance is ours. Four things that Paul prays in this section right here, how God has qualified us, how God has delivered us, how God has conveyed us, and how God has redeemed us. And he thanks God for all those things. You know, think about being qualified. That, to me, I feel like the exact opposite, you know? But I know in Christ what he's done and covered me, chosen me, allowed me to serve him. So I'm qualified to, to be a Christian because of Jesus. I'm, I'm competent in Christ. He, where it says he's delivered us, it means that like the enemy had us in his claws. The enemy had us you know, in his mouth and Christ came and delivered us unto himself. That's what that word means, delivered. Now we belong to him. But then he takes it even farther and he says, he's conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And so now I'm qualified to be a Christian. He took me out of the lion's mouth. He took me out of certain death and doom. He took me to himself. And then he took me to the kingdom. Guess what kingdom? The kingdom of the son of his love. That's where I've been conveyed. That's where we live. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I tell you what, I pray for the church. And I know they pray for me and we're praying for each other and I'm praying for my wife and I'm praying for my kids and I pray they wouldn't sin and I pray they wouldn't stumble and I pray they'd have victory. But Lord, those times when we do fall, because we will, we will thank you, Lord, for what you've done for them. And you've qualified us, you've delivered us, you conveyed us and you've redeemed us by your blood. And as we're, we're looking at this, 
we're just so grateful that he's brought us back to himself. You know, 1 Peter 1.18 and 19 says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Do you know who you belong to? If you're a Christian, you belong to him. Right? And when he died on the cross, he bought us back because first he made us, then we went our own way, but then he died for us to bring us back to him. And it's so cool to be able to celebrate that today. You know, for the church, you know, you guys, we get together on a Sunday morning and I know and I hope and I pray that we're not just here out of routine. We're not just here because, well, that's what we do on a Sunday morning. We're here because the God of the universe has invited us to him. And he says, come and gather with my people, fellowship together. It will strengthen you. You'll stir one another up uh, to love and good works. But God says, "I'll, I'll, I'll touch you. I'll teach you. There are some of you here today that you need God to change your life. You need that today. And he's willing to do that today. If you let him. If you let him. Believe you me, you are not here through evolution. You are not here through random chance. You were made by God. You were made in his image. But we've sinned and we've gone our own way. But God sent his son Jesus to die for us on that cross, put him in a grave. He rose again three days later to show us the victory that he provides. Now he's got this amazing, wonderful life for you if you choose to follow him. He's a perfect gentleman. He won't force you. And so my prayer is that today, if you're here and you're hurting, you're struggling, you're wondering, what's life all about, man? I want you to know it's all about the God who made you and loves you. And he brought you to church today because he wants to speak to you and he wants to touch you. So what we have to do, what I have to do, because I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I mean, I've been a Christian for 34 years and I'm I'm already 36 years old. My birthday was this the other day, you know. I'm getting older, but I still have growing to do and I'm hungering and thirsting for that. And so I want the Lord to meet us here today.